So funny. Okay, how many of you know that there's a lot of truth in that video, though, okay? We live in a Jerry Maguire, you complete me type world, correct? We're looking for that person that's going to complete us in life. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, obviously, you know that I love movies, and one of my very favorite movies is the movie called The Holiday, okay? I know, I know it's a chick flick, okay? Don't beat me up, okay? It's a total chick flick, but me and Jess both love this movie. It's about these two different girls, and they swap cities and swap across the pond, and they end up falling in love and living happily ever after, and one meets a guy that his wife died, and she has two little girls, and, you know, and then he's like, and the, it's a new mom. It's just a great story, okay, all right? Yeah, I watched it by myself the other night, okay, but it's another story, all right? So, but... You know what's interesting about movies is this, is they never show you the marriage part, right? We're always looking at what? The falling in love part, okay? And that's our expectations in life, is that we love the falling part. We love that part because that's the cool, that's the fun, that's the sexy part of the relationship, right? And then the reality is what? We have to learn how to grow in love. Nobody ever taught me that when I got married. (laughs) Nobody ever gave me that piece of the puzzle when I got married, you know? Because guess what? We spend so much time preparing for this awesome day. You know, I can guarantee you that all these girls that haven't been married, they, I mean, you probably even think about getting married someday, don't you? You know, look at her. She's just grinning ear to ear. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to marry that Michael boy someday. You know, I'm just joking. But you know what? If you do, I would love it because I love you. You're amazing, okay? So, Look at her. She, she is, like, blushed out right now. I'm so sorry. Pastor Jeff is so mean. All right. If you got a Bible, open up your Bible, okay? Going to look at Colossians chapter 3, okay? We'll have it on the screen for you. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. I'm actually going to read out of the message version, so it might be a little bit different than yours, um, but similar, similar concept, Okay? says this, so, choose, so you've been choosing by God to live a new life of love, okay? Dress in the wardrobe that God has picked out for you, okay? Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, even-tempered, content, content with being second place, quick to forgive an offense, forgive as quickly as the master has forgiven you, okay? Regard, regardless of all else, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it, okay? Um, the other night, we had um, a couple from the church over to the house, and they have a little blonde-headed girl, and she's just the cutest little thing, and she's uh, probably about six months older than Luke, and I thought in my mind, like, you know, how's this going to happen? You know, because Luke, 
is the baby of our family, and Luke gets Luke's way, just to be honest. When you're the baby of the family, he's got older brothers that, you know, do whatever he wants them to do, and he just kind of has this new thing where he goes, ah, you know, and that's like, yeah, that's what I want, you know, so if I'm pointing at the, ah, the door, it means I want to go outside, or ah, I want a juice box, you know, and there's a lot of people in the house, you know, with me and Jess and the boys and Matt and Levi, especially Levi. Luke just loves Levi, because Luke, you know, Levi will do anything thing for Luke, okay? So Luke, you know, is just the head of the house in a way, you know, right now. And so I thought, I wonder how this is going to happen or how's this going to go tonight. And so she's over in the first half of the night. Things are just going great. They're watching YouTube little videos together. They're both laying on the floor with this little phone. And I'm thinking, oh, look at this. So cute. They're together. We're having a great night, you know. And then later on in the night, she ends up grabbing one of Luke's toys that he's playing with. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, here we go. You know what I mean? And he goes over to it, and he smacks it, like, right out of her hand. You know, and he goes, ah, you know what I mean? Like, I am man. Hear me roar. Look at me, you know? This is my house. This is my toys, you know? And I thought to myself, man, it's amazing, like, even from the time we're, you know, first born, you know, our first instinct isn't compassion. You know, our first thought isn't, oh, yeah, let me be compassionate to you. You're my guest in my house. Go ahead and play with my toys. You know, my first instinct, Luke's first instinct, isn't kindness. You know, he went over and he smacked that toy right out of her hand. You know, that's mine. You know, remember that movie, Mine, 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 with, you know, uh, in Finding Nemo, Mine, Mine, Mine. This is our first thoughts. Our first thoughts aren't to be humble. Our first thoughts aren't to be, you know, quietly strength. Our first thoughts aren't to be disciplined, to be even-tempered. We have a flesh that's fighting us in our relationships every day. And I think it's interesting because it says to put on these things, okay? Like none of us woke up this morning and forgot to put on our clothes. You know what I mean? Like none of us woke up this morning and thought, yeah, yeah I'm not going to go with clothes today, you know? I'm just going to live free. Everybody in the church, they're going to love me for who I am today, you know? Nobody had that thought. We all had the thought this morning, man, I got to go pick out something. I have to put on something. Now, in this verse, it says, we put on compassion. We put on kindness. We put on being even-tempered. We put on these things. But at the end of the verse, because I was thinking about this, like, man, there's a lot of things to put on consistently every day. You know what I mean? And sometimes we can get tripped out on the laundry list, the list that we have with God sometimes. Does it ever feel like that? That I wake up and I'm like, oh, here's my list today, my to-do list with God. But at the end of this verse, I love what it says, to simply put on love. Love covers all these things. If I can walk in love in my marriage, if I can walk in love in my relationships, then I'm going to be compassionate. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be even-tempered. If I can just put on love, the love, the same love that Christ gives me every single day, then I only have one thing to put on each day. I wake up in the morning, I look to the Lord, and I go, Lord, I'm going to put you on today. I'm going to put on your love, your grace on to my life. Um, go over with me to the uh, book of Matthew, okay? Matthew uh, chapter 6, okay? Matthew 6, 
We're right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus giving the greatest sermon ever spoken. We're going to look at verse uh, 31 to 34, and then we'll go into chapter 7. It says this, So don't worry about all these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Okay, so Jesus is going, listen, unbelievers, people that don't know me, this is what constantly dominates their mind. How do I get ahead? How do I get to the next? How do I have more? Okay, so he's showing us, too, a picture to compare ourselves to, to go, you know what? If I'm constantly thinking about these things, then I have to ask myself, where's my mind? Where's my heart? Where are my thoughts? Because he says, but the Heavenly Father knows all that you need. I love that. I love that the Heavenly Father, a good Father, knows all that I need before I need it. All of it. Every single part of it. Verse 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. Okay? I love that it says live righteously. Meaning that there's a choice in my day to choose to be righteous. There's a choice in my day to love people. There's a choice in my day to be patient with people. There's a choice in my day to delight myself in the Lord. I have the choice. You have the choice. God's a God of choice, okay? And I know that a lot of us go, you know what? And, and I used to say this to Jess all the time. I'd go, you know what? I'm, I'm, this is just me, Jess. And her response would be, no, it's not just you. And I go, well, this is how I grew up. And she goes, I don't care how you grew up. You have the presence of God inside of you. You can make a choice to either cooperate with the presence of God or be who you want to be. Some tough love sometimes, you know. I have a good wife, you know. I don't want to hear it at the time. I'm usually pretty angry when she tells me that, you know. I'm not excited about that, but that's the truth. This is what the Bible's saying. You can choose to put on righteousness, and then it goes on to say, and he will give you everything you need. Verse 34, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow brings its own worries. Today's trouble is enough, okay? Go into chapter 7, okay, verse 1. Don't judge all the pot-smoking people of the world. This is their verse in the Bible. Don't judge, okay? They're thinking, hey, the Bible's for us too, amen, okay? Don't judge others, for you will be judged. Verse 2, treat uh, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard in which you judge is the standard which you will be judged by. What a sobering truth right there. Talk about gossip. Talk about talking about people. Talk about, you know, looking down upon people, judging other families, judging other people, judging other, you know, situations. You know, the other day I was in the drive through at Wendy's, and the guy was just rude. Really, really rude. And I quickly, quickly wanted to give him a smart comment. And the Lord quickly brought up in my heart, you don't know what he's going through now, do you? And I was like, ooh, all right, Lord. I'm going to hold that comment back here just for a quick second. I hear you loud and clear. Okay? goes on to say, um, how can you think that you're saying to your friend, oh, wait, 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 I skipped the verse, okay? All right, verse 3, verse 3. And why do you worry about the speck in your friend's eye? 
when you have your own log in your own eye? Verse 4, how can you think that you're saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Verse 5, you hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll have enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Okay? How many of you know the law of the 20-foot rule? Okay? 20-foot rule, meaning this, that when you are 20 feet away, you can't see all the exact details of maybe a flaw, okay? Now, a lot of times when people get up close to me, they'll go, oh, my gosh, you have a scar on your face. And I'll go, yeah, I've had the scar my whole life. I got into a car accident when I was an intern, flew through a window, cut my, you know, face open, had surgery on it. And people will go, well, I can't usually see it when I'm sitting out in the crowd, well, why? It's the 20-foot rule, okay? When you're 20 feet away, you don't have the ability to see that close, that intimate, okay? But the reality is this. When we are really close, okay, we can see all the minute flaws, correct? Okay? So how is it that we're able to take a speck or to go after a speck in somebody's eye? It means this, that we obviously are close with that person. Okay? Meaning that I'm close in marriage. I'm close in relationship. I'm intimately acquainted with you. And because I'm so intimately acquainted with you, I can see tiny flaws in your life. Correct? We see all the specks. Okay? Now, the reality is this. And I do this in my own marriage, and it's something that I am working on. Okay? is that when you're close with somebody and you see the specs, you typically want to magnify the specs, right? Isn't it amazing how gracious and loving and kind we'll be with other people? But the people that are intimately close with us, the people that we are dealing with on a daily basis, and we see all of their flaws and we see all their specs, we typically want to go, I want to magnify these specs. I want to magnify these flaws. Why? Because I want you to be aware of them so that you will change. Right? Isn't that our heart? I want you to change, and I want you to change for my pleasure, because your flaws, your specs, your specs aren't bringing pleasure to my life, and it upsets me. And we get these, these specs from our expectations. We all have expectations in life. We have these things like, my mom did it this way growing up, so I want you to do it this way. Or my dad was this. You know, like me and Jess will always have this conversation. I am not handy in any way, shape, or form, okay? All right? Just not. And Jess will go, hey, will you come hang this picture for me? And I'll be like, ah, are you serious? She'll be like, literally, Jeff, it's screwing something in the wall. Come on, my dad could do this with his eyes closed. I'll be like, I'm not your dad, you know? Well, you know what I mean? We have these expectations from growing up. We have these expectations from a friend or somebody who loved us a certain way, and now we want to be loved that way. We have these expectations from movies and magazines and media growing up, and we see these things growing up, and we go, I want this. 
I want my marriage. I want my relationship. I want my friendships. I want my relationships at work to be like what I've seen. So we have these expectations, and when our expectations aren't fulfilled, we start looking through the magnifying glass, and we start magnifying all these specs. When the reality is we have the choice, just like we saw earlier, to magnify what we want to magnify. I can magnify the specs, or I can choose to magnify the great things about you. And the reality is we don't usually choose to magnify the great things. I'll never forget years ago, we were youth pastors, and we had this great, huge youth conference happening. We had 400 kids signed up, and we were, you know, having a rehearsal the night before the youth conference. And, um, you know, those things can just be stressful, you know, we have a lot planned on the agenda. We want service to go well. We want it to go sharp. Jess is there with our worship team, and, and, and I would come, and we're going through the rehearsal of the service, and things just got tense, okay? Things weren't going exactly the way that I had envisioned and saw, and so I started to push on the team a little bit. I started to press People started to press individuals. And, you know, when you press somebody, what happens? Pride rises up. Ego rises up. You're, you know, you get insecure. You get frustrated. And so you can feel all this tension in the room, okay? And I'll never forget, I just got so frustrated. I ended up walking out of the room, went back to my office, sat down, was kind of like cooling off trying to think through, like, am I pressing for no reason? Should I continue to press? What should I do? And then I walked outside. I love, I love being outside. Like, that's a great place for me and the Lord. Like, whenever I'm super upset, I'm going to go on a walk. Like, the other night, I was in a random field in Morrow, and I was thinking, oh, my gosh, either God's going to protect me or something's going to eat me out here, you know? It's the middle of the night, you know? Well, so I walk outside, and there's a different entrance into the room. And so I walk into the youth room, but it's behind this huge black curtain that we have. And I can hear Jess on the mic. And Jess is going, hey, I know that you all want to kill Pastor Jeff right now. You know what I mean? That was the thought. You know, we know you all want to just murder him right now, okay? But she said that she goes, but I want you to know that he is such a great pastor. He sacrifices so much for you. He puts so much time, so much energy, so much love, so much prayer. He loves you like his own kids. He would do anything for you. And because he's that great of a pastor, we're going to do what he wants. She magnified something great in a moment of chaos. And I'll tell you what, she didn't know that I knew that I heard that. But I heard that, and guess what it made me feel like? It made me feel like a champion. It made me feel incredible. In life, we have the opportunity to magnify the great things about each other. We have the opportunity to encourage each other and see what is great in that individual. Instead of being so close and just going, man, these are all the things that you fail in, how about the things that you are incredible in? I'll tell you what, I know this personally. Know it, know it, know it. And it's so hard, and I fight with it all the time. But I know that I can typically encourage somebody into victory versus discouraging them into victory. Have you ever discouraged somebody into victory? Never. Ever. 
you always encourage somebody. And when you encourage somebody, it brings this strength and it brings this confidence. And guess what? A lot of times the things that they're failing in, they end up finding victory in because they found a new confidence. They found a new strength, okay? Um, Go with me, Ephesians chapter 5, okay? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. This is a passage of scripture you hear at weddings all the time. Sometimes, not all the time anymore. Sorry. Here we go. Verse 21. And furthermore, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Verse 22. For wives, this means to submit to the husband as unto the Lord, and husbands as head of the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church. He is a savior of the body and the church. Verse 24. As the church submits to Christ, so should wives submit to their husbands and everything they do. Verse 25. Husbands, this means love your wife as Christ has loved the church and has given himself up for her. I wrote this down, and this is something that has been taking years for me to understand. We're not called to a pleasure-driven relationships or marriage. Um, when I got married, I had this thought that um, Jess is here to, you know, pleasure me. She's here to do all these things that I want. I want you to cook dinner for me every night. You're here to cook dinner for me every night. You're here to wash my clothes. You know, you, you have these perspectives of, you know, this is what my mom did. And so this is what my mom did, Then this is typically what my wife will do then. Or vice versa, okay? Same thing. Wives have these thoughts of this is how my father was. My father was loving and caring and kind and full of great words of encouragement and love. And and you're going to be the same person back to me. And so we have these thoughts that in marriage were really pleasure driven. Okay. And so when we are um, satisfied in our pleasures, then we feel like, well, then I have the grace and the love to love you and treat you the way that you need to be treated, okay? But what happens is that your pleasure doesn't get fulfilled, amen, all the time. Why? Because we live in real worlds, okay? You know, we have a lot of life happening all the time, stress and pains and frustrations and ups and downs like we talked about in worship, and, and your pleasure isn't always being fulfilled, okay? Our first thoughts typically in relationship, regardless if it's marriage or friendship, is this. What am I going to get out of this relationship, right? What, what, what am I going to receive, all right? Because we're trained that way. We're trained that we give and we take. We give and we take, but there's something that I need from this relationship to stay connected to this relationship, Right? That's how we typically think in life. And the reality is, when we live this way, it is a pride killer. It is an assassin. It's an assassin in our marriage. It's an assassin in our relationships. When I have the thought, what are you going to do for me? How are you going to bring pleasure to me? It will kill relationships fast, really fast. Okay? Um. I wrote this down, okay? 
it's easy for a wife to submit to the husband when he's laying his life down like Christ did, right? Because it's so funny, because I do so many weddings now, there's so many times that people will go, please do not read Ephesians chapter 5. We don't believe in it. And I'll go, okay, well, what else in the Bible don't you believe in? You know, I don't know, you know what I mean? But though, I'm, I'm not joking you. They will tell me, do not read Ephesians 5. We do not like it. We do not believe in it. We don't want it. And I'll go, okay, it's your day. I'll do what you want. It's still in the Bible. You know, it's still there. So I thought about this because I, I, there's this tension in this scripture, right? Wives are going, I'm going to submit to him? Do you know how he treats me? Do you know how he talks to me? Do you know how he dishonors me? Do you know how he doesn't treat me like my dad treated me? Right? And we think the same way back. I'm going to lay my life down for her? Do you know what she did to me the other day? Do you know how she talked to me? Do you know how she embarrassed me? Blah, blah, blah. Do you know these things? Listen, it's easy for a wife to submit to a husband when a husband looks at his wife and goes, you know what, I'm going to treat you like Christ. And, and I'm going to be the first to say, I didn't understand this for years. And I'm still working this out. Because what does Christ do? He goes, I lay my life down for you. In this relationship, I'm here to serve your needs and purposes. I, I, this isn't pleasure-driven. Does that make sense? Like, did you ever think about this, that like when Jesus went to the cross, like he didn't go to the cross with the thought of like, I'm going to forgive them and then they're going to be perfect and they're going to love me perfectly and we're going to have perfect relationship. He knew every day of your life. He knew when you would dishonor him. He knew when you would turn your back on him. He knew when you wouldn't trust him. He knew, he knew that the relationship wouldn't be right continuously, but he still laid his life down. And it's also easy for husbands to submit, okay, when their desires are being fulfilled. It's a mutual back and forth in relationship when we understand this, okay? Now, you might be thinking, okay, well, what does this mean if I'm not married? I totally get that. It means this. Start being that person now because it'll be easier when you get into the marriage someday. Be the person today that you want to be someday, okay? Because the reality is when I was 23, I just didn't get this at all. Not at all. This was just like so off of my radar. And it's taken years with the Lord continually showing me what this looks like. Um, who's playing? Hope you're playing behind me. Come on up, Hope. Come on, girl. Why don't you come on up? Everybody, you can stand on up with me this morning. I'm going to go back to Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. Last thing we need in a relationship is the understanding that nobody is going to fulfill you other than Christ. No friendship, no marriage, no relationship. 
will fulfill you like Christ will fulfill you. Now, I am so thankful that I get to go home to Jess every day. I'm so thankful for the times that we get to get away and spend some time alone and we just get to be together. I love, love, like my favorite thing in life is just being with Jess alone. I don't care what we do. I don't care if we go to a movie. I don't care if we go eat. I don't care if we go putt-putt. I don't care if we went on a walk. I just like being alone with her, okay? But the reality is this, is that she doesn't truly satisfy my soul because God never intended for her to do that. God never intended for me to fulfill her soul. God never intends for us to satisfy by somebody else, another relationship. And so when we have these expectations in life, we can get really frustrated really quick. We can go, why aren't you being a better friend? And your friend can look at you and go, I'm giving you the best that I am. But you're expecting more. We can do that in our marriage. Why aren't you being a better husband? Why aren't you being a better wife? It's just sometimes I think we got to look in the mirror and go, okay, am I really letting Jesus fulfill Matthew 6.33 in my heart? Is he satisfying me to the core that I take delight in him, that I find this joy in him every day despite my circumstances? That's really tough because circumstances can be really tough, can't they? They can be really hard, and you can have some real moments where you're like, man, I do not like this beard on this guy right here, okay? Even though I do. I love it. I think it's fantastic. You know what I mean? But when Jesus is satisfying our soul, hmm, that's when I can start walking in love. That's when I can lay my life down. That's when I can choose to magnify the good things. Amen? Why don't you grab a hand of somebody next to you? Let's just pray today. Let's just pray that God satisfies our souls, number one. But that number two, let's just pray that we get this in our hearts. We get this in us. I, I don't know why I feel this, but I just feel this, that, that some of you have some crappy people that you work with. And it doesn't bring you joy. And it doesn't bring you peace. But God puts you there for a reason. God puts you there to be a light. God chose you to be an influence in that world. God chose you to make relationships with people that you don't want to make relationships with so that you can show them the goodness of God. You're there for a reason. You have light in you. You have the light of God in you. Don't let the enemy hide it. Let it shine. But that's going to take you being confident in the Lord. That's going to take you being satisfied in your soul so that you can give grace. Amen? Amen. Come on. Father, we praise you. We worship you. We thank you, God. Lord, we declare in Jesus' name that Elevate Church is going to be a church full of strong marriages strong relationships that look like relationship and marriage that you intended for us, Lord. 
But God, we know that that starts when you are the one satisfying our souls. You are the one satisfying the hungers and the desires and the passions that resides in our hearts. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would satisfy that as we seek you. As we do exactly what Matthew 6, 33 says. As we go after you, that you would be the one that satisfies the longings in our hearts that nobody knows about. Those places in our heart that nobody knows about. We don't speak it to anybody. But God, you know it's there. God, satisfy those places. Satisfy those depths, I pray in Jesus' name. And then in turn, God, we will be the people you've called us to be in our marriages, our friendships, our relationships at work. And we will show people your goodness, your favor, your blessing in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. We love you. We love you. We love you. Amen, amen, amen. You know, the Lord um, the Lord was just speaking to me about um, just a season of the church that we're going into. And, um, you know, there's just something powerful. There's something powerful when you are light in your world at work. People go, I want to know more about this. Okay? There's something powerful when you choose to have the right attitude, when you choose to walk in love. People go, I want to know about this. And then that's the opportunity that God gives you to go, hey, come with me on Sunday. Let me, let me take you out to dinner after Sunday. Come with me to church on Sunday and let me take you out afterwards. Okay? If we believe Jesus is coming, we're the people on the earth to reach people. Amen? Okay? They're not going to come to church they're not going to wake up on Sunday morning and think, yeah, I think we'll go to Elevate today. I heard that Mike goes there. You know what I mean? They're going to go there because Mike Coots asked them to come. Amen? All right? They're going to go there because Brett invites them to come. They're going to go there because Dave goes, hey, let me invite you. Let me take you to my church. Let me bless you. Okay? So let's be the people we need to be. Amen? I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Have a great day. Go Bengals today, all right? Go Bengals. We're going to beat the Steelers in Jesus' name. Have a great day.